Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable. We are so glad to have you join us on today's podcast. But before we jump in, we have a special announcement. The CLIMB Conference is coming up at the start of 2022. And this conference is designed for pastors and their teams to come be a part of this. It is going to be January 27th through 29th. It is a time for your team to get poured into and to grow in their leadership. So you don't want to miss it. Go to climbconference.com and get your whole team here. Don't miss the early bird pricing. Now to today's episode. Hello, everybody. I am so excited about this podcast, podcast number 33. And uh, today I have a dear friend and our campus pastor from our Prosper campus. I call him Luca Nelly, but his real name is Luke Brunell. And he's with us because we're talking about uh, relaunching the church after COVID, after its many variants. We're talking about how do you do that? And he's been on our team now for about a year, and his campus is doing better than all of our campuses. So I thought we'd bring him in and we'll just have a conversation about what does it look like when you are trying to get people back. We realize that about 60% of the people will come back, 30% of them will not. And so what does that look like, and how do you, how do you regain momentum after you have started? So, Luke, tell us a little bit about some of the things we've discussed and some of the things you're doing to literally relaunch our Prosper Campus. Um, before COVID, they're running about 1,000 people. Now, before uh, you took over, they're running about 300. Now they're up to about between 700 or so. But tell us a little bit about just what you have done, how you have prayed through this, and some of the things that you think God might be using to help us. So let's just go through probably 10 of them and see where we get to so that we can help some pastors out there that are that are trying to relaunch, that are coming back, then had to shut down again, and now you're trying to relaunch again. Here's some things that we've found helpful for all of our campuses, no matter the size, whether you're big church, medium-sized church, small church, uh, this is kind of what we're doing. So Luca, how are you feeling, man? You doing all right? Yes, feeling great. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome, man. Welcome welcome to the podcast. Thanks. This is your first time, man. I'm pretty excited about that. So tell us a little bit about uh, some of the things that God's been doing and what do you think he has been using and why does the Prosper Campus, why are they doing so well? Talk to us a little bit about it. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. A huge um, honor to do that. And um, Prosper Campus was unique in that they had uh, a, a lot of good, strong players already on the field uh, there. And so Certainly can't take credit for that. The team had been raised up and was, um, in many ways, um, rearing to go. Uh, one of the things that you have incorporated as part of all our campuses is having um, an associate, having basically two campus pastors. Mm -hmm. And so there was an, a, an associate campus pastor there that was carrying the baton. I think that was instrumental in just keeping things afloat and rolling with the teams. Um, one of the most important things that I learned, and it actually took me a little bit of time, uh, was was um, the strategy of outreach that we that we employ, which yeah, um, I would not have before that. I don't know that I would have really put a lot of stock into it. Um, but basically, the principle that drives me is if you invite them, they will come. Absolutely. Um, the converse principle to that for me is if if you're hoping they come and you're not inviting anybody, then you, then it's it's just a hope. That's right. Well, the, the part about that that I love is I don't know that people realize if they if they don't know you're there, then how will they even know to come? And so part of the rhythm is making sure that people know that you're there. And the only way to do that is to go where they are. 
And whether that means going to a Walmart and making that a part of your rhythm. One of the things that you really, really helped me with is reminding me that this can't be an assignment. It has to be a lifestyle. Yeah. That your regular rhythm, when you go shopping, it, you don't just go shopping, but you're always looking for people that God might sovereignly want to bring across your path for you to invite. And so um, whether it's Walmart, whether it's Target, whether it's the mall, whether it's wherever people gather, um, going to where they are and just having spiritual con conversations is vital to allowing people to be aware that you're there as a church. And so, yeah. pastors, I want to encourage you, man. The only way they know you're there is if you tell them. So if you're not telling them, then they don't know that you're there. And you're just praying and hoping that they'll come. And if you want your congregation to also be inspired, then you've got to tell stories of somebody who you invited up from Walmart or from Kroger or whatever the grocery store is in your area, that you invited them, they showed up, and now you can have a conversation and show the whole church, here's what happens when you are just faithful in your invitations. And so, Luke, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you try to do? How many people you try to, what's your personal goal and then the campus goal of just regularly inviting people to the experience at OCC Prosper? Yeah, so at minimum, I personally want to invite 150 people per week. Okay. And so that means that um, I'm out uh, pretty much daily. I did learn that it's a lot easier to think in terms of first downs mm -hmm. instead of Hail Marys. <laughs> uh, you're not going to try and accomplish all that in one day. Right. So shopping rhythms are there. You have to kind of study some of that out. But you have to go where people are, and you have to go when people are. Mm -hmm. And so we're in stores daily just walking through, yeah, getting some shopping done, and at the same time inviting people to church. So my personal goal is 150. Our camp campus goal is 300. Um, I would like to see our campus goal higher than that, but yeah. we're in the process of building that team. But they are, they are, there are times when you have now realized that are most effective. Why don't you help? Yeah. If, if, I'm a, if I'm a pastor and I'm trying to, uh, I'm planting a church and I want to start growing it and I want to see what God wants to do, um, give me some ideal times and some ideal seasons when we should go out and when we should connect with people. What, what are your thoughts there? What have you found? Yeah, for sure. Between 11.30 and 1, 11.30 and 1.30, mm -hmm. um, people are generally out there. It's kind of around lunch, and so you're going to see a certain crowd there. Between 4.30 and 6.30 or so is another one. And then um, I would... I learned this last year that that I'll never miss another Christmas season for sure. Oh, big time, big time. Um, this last year was huge for inviting people, and we're just seeing those those the uh, fruit of that the fruit of that come up. And so Christmas season is huge. If you're missing a natural shopping season when people are naturally out, um, then you are a fisherman that is at home when the fish are biting. Exactly right. So, so Valentine's when people are buying cards or when people are buying flowers. Super Bowl's coming up. People want to eat well. Uh, on well, they want to eat well <laughs> at Super Bowl or uh, whatever, whatever the whatever the season is, um, whatever the big game is. That's when people are going to be out. And so we back to school is a big one. Back to school, uh, big one. The two weeks before school starts, everybody is shopping to get ready for that. That's a huge one. Um, New Year's, going into New Year's is a big week as well. So we just want you to realize that there's see, Mother's Day. Oh, my gosh. Mother's Day is the biggest time. 
everybody gets mom something. So it's important that you know when people are going to be out and you have a team ready to go just to have great conversations with people. Uh, Luca, tell me, tell me a little bit about what a conversation looks like. Let's say you walk up to me and I'm in the grocery stores. I usually use the one, hey, man, do you know of a good church around here? And if they say no, can I tell you about one? And then we go from there. Give me a couple of um, lines, introductory lines to start conversations so that these pastors can, 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 can have some tools so that the next time they go out, they're not starting from scratch, but they're, they're trying to leverage some of these tools. What do you got? Yeah, I, I literally start like you would any other conversation. I just say, hey, how are you? Uh, my name is Luke. I just want to invite you to my church. I'll have a business card, and I'll hand it to them. Uh, and, and generally, I just you'll read the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they'll look at that. They'll pull their glasses down. They'll just engage, or they won't. And um, for me, uh, I, I'm watching to make sure that I never miss an opportunity to engage with somebody if that's, if, if that's what they want to do. They weren't planning on my conversation. That's it. And so I need to let them invite me into their moment. And if that's the case, they'll say, oh, where are you guys? Where are you located? What's this about? What kind of church are you? Um, and just answer questions. And I've gotten some good ones. I've gotten some interesting ones. That's right. And you've gotten some, you've gotten some leave me alone too, right? Yeah, I've got... bothering me. Why are you bothering me? Yeah. And you've got some people report on you that you shouldn't be doing this yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah, I'm ready for all of That's right, that's right. That's but it's, it's all worth it when those people show up to your church and they're asking for you. That's incredible, man. I, you've got to love that. you just got to love it. All right. Um, we've exhausted that one. Uh, and so what's number two? What else? So one is if you... If you invite them, they'll come. If you go where they are, they'll be aware of your church. What's number two? Give me another one that's been helpful for you. So this this would be one that I did not learn uh, prior to working with you, Pastor Conway, which is that um, uh, your office is the last place you should be on a Sunday morning. Oh, God. First of all, you worked really hard all week. Um, most pastoral staff are going to be hanging out in an office or a green room, and that is a complete missed opportunity to me. Massive. Because people are coming in the door, and they're going out the door, and they want to connect with you. Yep. Um, and so you you should be right. I, I told uh, Pastor Matt this um, a, a while ago. You should be right by the river. Wherever people are, that's where you should be. That's a great Shaking idea. hands, fist bumping people, doing everything you can to initiate a conversation. And you're you're you know, you do this uh, extraordinarily well, which is turn a one-minute conversation into a later phone call. That's it. A later dinner or a later coffee. I'm not going to solve all the problems right now, but in under 60 seconds, I should be uh, exchanging a phone number or something that will lead me to an opportunity to connect with this person later. And um, I don't have numerical goals, but I try and connect with as many people on Sunday as possible so that when I call them during the week, they're more likely to pick up that phone. No, that's great. I, I argue what it you should get your work assignment for the next week from those Sunday interactions. So as you're interacting with people, your goal is to make sure that the person in front of you believe and is convinced that they're the most important person in the room because you're fully present with them. And once they're convinced of that, then you need to have a follow-up based on their interest or based on what they're interested in or based on something they said that you think you can add value to them. Then you set up a lunch, a coffee, a breakfast to meet them a little later on. And you've got to, I did it when we were starting our church, planting it from, you know, 15 years ago, and I still do it today. It is my desire to get to know people, whether it's somebody that's been at our church for 10 years or whether it's somebody that this is their first Sunday. It does not matter. My job is to make sure I'm connecting with people. And in the in the post-COVID world, 
people want to know that each of each of them matter. And if they don't, if they feel like a number, if they feel like you just pass them on to somebody else, then you've missed the opportunity. And your assignment it is to discern what God is doing in everybody's heart. And then once you discern that, then to ask and answer the question, God, where do you want this person now to go? How have they, you brought them here, God, how will they add value to us fulfilling or or redemptive purpose that God has given to us. And the only way you know that is if you're meeting with people. So I tell our whole leadership team, I said, hey, any Sunday you don't have coffee or breakfast or something else lined up, then you're not doing your job. Because your job is to, to connect with people on a weekend and then discern what God might want to do in them and then through them later on. So I think that's a huge one. Um, how do those conversations go? Let's, let's, um, let's put the cookies on the lower shelf. How does those, you meet somebody in the hallway, they're coming in, um, you're getting into church sometimes a little later than normal because you want to greet everybody. You're coming out a little early, earlier than normal because you want to see them at the door, just like the old school church. Tell me how those conversations go, and then how do you like get them to meet you later on that week or for coffee or a meeting that you have? You know this. I have five different uh, buckets that I put people in that I'm meeting. Uh, tell, me about, tell me about what you do and what do you say in those one-minute elevator pitch conversations. Uh, first of all, I always give, I just introduce myself. Hey, I'm Luke. And if you're on the platform, a lot of you are, some of you are not. Whether you are or not is not a reason to not engage with people. Absolutely. Um, you can easily have a name tag. But I just engage and find out their name, what brought them to the church, how they find out about the church, just your basic conversation starter. But then I want to know something a little bit more meaningful, like uh, how long have you been attending? Um, have you found it pretty easy to connect here? And the minute you talk about in the most natural way possible, somebody connecting to your church, they're going to tell you uh, what is on their mind uh, between you and their church. So sometimes they're like, oh, well, it's been a little while, but I'm, I'm really looking to maybe can I have some uh, community or relationships or small groups I want to serve. You'll be surprised how much people will tell you in just a really quick exchange. And then for me, I immediately pivot to action later. But I never leave that conversation. If, if, I, if, if that conversation goes to, okay, I'll see you next week, um, that's a wasted opportunity. Yep. What I want to do is say, hey, I'd love to help you connect personally. Can I get your phone number? And I'll just call you. Or I have my admin there, and they will, they'll connect um, with that individual. I'll just make sure we get a phone number and set up a coffee. Uh, so that I can personally connect with that one. It happened with Marino this week, yeah. um, right? And so I'm just setting something up to follow up, um, and I get their phone number. I'll text them on the spot. Got it. Most of the time, I know before they left the parking lot if they've texted me back. Yeah. And, um, and then I'll respond and reply, keep that going until I've made a connection. No, that's really, really good. So what I love is I usually have somebody with me as we're talking through this deal, and then – as they're walking through it, if it's a short conversation, hey, can I go to dinner with them? And they'll go by, I'll meet the next person, so that one person is not holding me hostage. Uh, and I just pass them and say, hey, I want to go to breakfast. I want to meet them in a, my discipleship group. I'd love to have breakfast with them. I'd love to take them to dinner. And I have a rhythm of what I do with everybody that I come across just so that I can have a deeper conversation with them later on. So I think that's a huge one, and I think that's really, really cool. So, Pastor Luke, we, we've gone through the first two. Now let's go to number three. What's the... What's the third thing you think we absolutely need to do if we're going to relaunch, if we're going to come back better than two, two or so years ago? What's number three? Uh, the number three is to build teams before you need them. 
Hmm, all right, unpack that for us. What do you all think? Right. So uh, my personal tendency is to wait till I have a need and then find the people to put there. But uh, you can actually create a supply before there's a demand. And in the process of that, I've, I've, I have yet to create a group of people that I brought together and, and then not eventually find out where, what, their, what their assignment would be. Um, and so it keeps the, the, the big one for me is that it keeps the pipeline of recruiting going. Yeah. Um, not that there's not plenty of places for people to serve, but you can top off when it's all the typical places. Yeah, and so you want to create, you want to create a flow. And I think supernaturally, you actually create a place for them to go. Yeah. No, I think that's huge because I think as leaders, uh, when God sends people your way, he's sending them because he's given them the gifts and abilities to help you accomplish what he's asking you to do. Sometimes you don't even know what that is yet. So your assignment is to, is to, is to make sure you have a pipeline of leaders coming through even if you don't need them yet, to put them in buckets where you're pouring into them, where you're assessing them, where you're developing them, so that by the time you need them, they've already been vetted, one, two, they've already been tested by giving them a little bit of an assignment, seeing how they feel, where they fit, so that you know where people can go. And then if you have a value like strategic service like we do, then you know even if this is not their area of passion, they still can be um, asked to serve there for a while until we have another leader that can replace them. So it's extraordinarily important to always consider building teams. The two things that stop churches from growing, uh, number one, is you don't have enough leaders, and number two, you don't have enough space. Well, because of COVID, space issues not as much a big deal anymore because we can go online for everything we need. The thing that's still a big deal is the demand for leaders. That's happening in a corporate setting and it's happening in the church setting. So it's our job to make sure that we are consistently having a group of leaders and a pipeline of leaders that are coming through so that you know that when a, when a need arises, you can respond quickly while simultaneously you have the leaders that have been vetted before, that have been waiting for an opportunity and here comes that opportunity. So I think that's a huge one. Number three is big. Should be big for everybody. No, what we could talk about, let's, maybe we should do this a little bit. Uh, let's just come up with, this is just bonus. Let's just come up with five, five. When you're looking for good leaders, when you're looking for people that you think are going to last the distance, run the race well, what, give it, let's just come up with five things that we think are critical to um, a, a healthy leadership pipeline and healthy leaders. Well, what would you? What have you found? Give me a couple of things that you think when you're looking for leaders. Here's what I'm looking for. Uh, so this is this is one that I learned from uh, one of our favorite guys at the Prosper Campus, and I just call it: Can they serve on the full vertical spectrum? Which is a fancy way of saying: Can they sweep the floors and ans- and and open the doors? And can they can they contribute to the the executive roundtable? and not feel like they own that. Mm-hmm. So in in a person's character, they're going to have a role eventually, but I still want to make sure that they don't mind picking weeds yeah. and doing doing the necessary work to make things look nice, that nobody's above that. Yeah. But also, there's a brilliance in everybody, and I need to know that I can that we can uh, that you can pull people into certain rooms without them feeling like if they don't ever get pulled back to that table, now they're disenfranchised and, and they're not, they, they lack purpose. So that's the vertical spectrum. 
I like to see somebody on all of those uh, levels. That's really, really good. No, I think that's good. Uh, my favorite one is uh, just have they been have they been fathered well? Can they hear no and accept no? Can they hear yes and run with it? Can they bring a great idea to the table? It's shot down and then and and it doesn't affect their identity. And can they go home, cry, come back the next day and realize his mercies are new every morning and ready to do battle again? I think that's a huge one. And so doing a barrage of testing to make sure people can have their feelings hurt and not wear it on them on their shoulders that they can manage their moods well i think it's a huge one what's number three give me give me let's go two three more what do you got well in the building team concept you have to have a place for these people to consistently meet Mm -hmm. and so like for example one that you encouraged me to do which i'm extraordinarily grateful for was just on sunday morning we just gather people that we thought had the 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 capacity for for um, leadership, mm-hmm. and just brought them around a table and let them pray with us for probably three or four months. They didn't have a role. That's it. Uh, when we walked out of that room on a Sunday morning, though, they were they were literally they were picking weeds, they were restocking uh, paper towels. It was an interesting season. They were like the special forces making things happen when other teams weren't, and so a place for them to gather so that you can hear them and they can hear you um, is really really important. Yeah, that's great. Uh, another one that I think is hugely important is can they, can they, can they do without the microphone? Mm-hmm. Can they do without the microphone? Uh, can they support uh, another leader and be joyful when another leader wins? Can they genuinely, authentically do that? Is that okay for them? I just think that's a huge one, man. Because if you can't, then then they have to own the room. And if they have to own the room every time, then um, they'll take all the oxygen up. And ultimately, things die around them over time because they've got to be the star. So what we generally call it is, um, can they be a servant and not a star? And can they, can they be treated like a servant and still be okay? Because once you're building teams, once you're having people around each other, you're going to have people be offended. You're going to have people hurt. And so can they... Can they be in the room and not be the star? Yeah. And is that okay? I think that's a huge one for us as well. Give me one more. What, is, what else you got? Uh, I think um, gratefulness is huge. Uh-huh. Do they demonstrate gratefulness at any opportunity to serve? And it springboards from even the last two things we just said or three things um, is just the fact that they get to serve. David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than have a thousand years elsewhere. There was a sense of gratitude just being part of the mission on any level. And you can hear that. They might text you. They might say it. But you can also see it in the quality of the work and the attitude that they accomplish that work with. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So there are five just off the cuff that we came up with that hopefully will help you. All right, we did one, two, and three. Let's go to number four. What's the fourth big deal that we need to be aware of as we try to relaunch, as we try to come back, as we try to open up our doors again, and as we try to serve God's people? What's number four? Um, You actually kind of commented on this, so it may be three and a half, but it's raising up leaders before they have roles. Yeah. Um, This is important. It's not just gathering people, but it's identifying people who do have leadership capacity and not being afraid or concerned that you don't have a place to put them yet. If they're God's assignment in this in the, in your church, you you need to attach them to something until a role opens up, and you're not going to displace somebody great in the process. But you also don't want them no, not to diminish this, but you don't want them being um, 
stuck in some corner of the house and you never get to see them in action. So you want to bring them close and eventually the role will present itself without question. The higher the level of leadership, the closer they probably should be to you, the the leader, and the more you need to get to, to, to be in their presence to know who they are. In addition to that, you should always be praying for, um, God, what's the next ministry opportunity that's there? Yeah. What's out there that I need? I'm not even aware of it yet, but I need. You always have to look at your org chart and say, what's the next area that is probably the best area for us to gain the more mo- most momentum going forward? So you should always be asking God, what is the next um, position that is needed for us to have the greatest impact in the future. And that should always be a concern of yours. As a leader, you should always be saying, what's the next position? Even if you have the leaders or you don't have the leaders yet, what's the next position? How do we pray through that? How do we begin leveraging that? How do we begin asking other churches about that? Just so that we know what it's going to look like when it's fully staffed out voluntarily, that is. What is that going to look like? And then, as you have the leaders added, you know where the next role is. And you might not put them there yet but you at least know where it is you're kind of working through some of the details while you get to know the character and if they fit the chemistry of the whole team so that's what i'd say all right anything else about that um i think you do you do that extraordinarily well extraordinarily well just in as as kind of like the the default setting in your mind you may have to actually draw out the org chart of the future of your church i i try and do this where i add pieces of the org chart and or find a church that is a mentor to you or, or uh, somewhere that you're going for and ask them for their org chart. What positions they have that you don't might help prompt some of those ideas. No, that's brilliant. That's well done. All right. So you heard one, two, three, four. All right. What's the, what's the last one? What do we got to take? Us yeah, the last one is live action for us right. right now. This one is to create a crisis, um, to create a short-term crisis so that you can uh, discover a long-term solution. <laughs> Y'all. I promise you, you need to do this. This is great. Uh, Usually, whenever I give our leaders an opportunity for this one, they usually get frustrated with me. Uh, Usually, it's a challenge I'm giving them. Like, hey, you know what? You're going to do one Christmas Eve services. Why don't we do two? Well, hold on, hold on. I don't know if I have enough volunteers. Hold on. Or, uh, you know what? In the new year, why don't we just start two services? And they usually get bent out of shape. Uh, because they're like, I don't know that I have the people. But the beauty of it is you get to see um, who do you have that will rise to the occasion, one. You get to see um, who are people on the bench that you should be bringing into the game that's been sitting on the bench way too long. And then you get to see who can really do more and you have been underutilizing them and so they've been bored, as well as you get to see those who have been doing so much that anything else you give them, they're going to be burnt out and get frustrated with you. But it just tests the systems of the church before you actually need it to be tested. And then the beautiful thing from this is when you get out of it is you got more leaders than you ever thought because you created a crisis and from the crisis came more leaders, even though it wasn't a real crisis, but you 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 fabricated one, so to speak, just to realize um, who you had on your team and where they really stood. I promise you, it is leadership gold. Or oh, your thoughts, Luca? I've made you done this a couple of times. Tell me about the experience. It was fun. I think it was a different. You, you were able no. It didn't start out fun. Quit no, tripping. No, it didn't start out front. It started like, oh God, how are we gonna do this? Yeah. No, there was some sweat involved in that one. But uh, it 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 
it turned out to be fun, and I learned a big lesson. And it one of the things, other than what you've articulated already, was it differentiated between the leaders who are kind of rearing to go and have a little gas pedal left in, and the ones that are, <coughs> excuse me, that are kind of maxed out and do need to maybe um, kind of take a step back. But what it helped me realize was if you're not careful, you're going to defer the growth of your church to the, to the leaders that, that have reached their capacity. Yep, and, that's good. And well I need to differentiate that. I don't mind you being there. I want you to be there. But I can't stop dreaming because this is your limit. Yeah. Your limit is not the church limit, and it certainly shouldn't define the vision of the church. Right. Um, I'm not going to displace you, but now we, we can find places for other leaders um, and, and see the vision grow. We have, a, we have a concept at our church called the Leadership Cube, where it's four quadrants. The top right one are the stars. Uh, the bottom right one is our solid citizens. The top left is our new people. And the bottom left is our deadwood. And the reason you want to test your systems and you want to test your people is because that's where you find out who the solid citizens are, who says, you know what, this is my boundary, and this is where I want to be, and I don't want any more. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, then you find out who the stars are that are willing to go above and beyond the call of duty. Then you find out, okay, I need to discern where these new people that are coming in, are they stars, are they solid citizens, where do they lie, and all a crisis does, a manufactured crisis does, is let you see who they are quicker than any other strategy that you've got. And then you get to see who who just don't want to be there anymore, who the fire has gone, who they're just like, eh, they need some spiritual nurturing and care. They need some leadership development. They need some discipling. And it's okay to give them a break so that the new people can take their role in this next season or the stars can step up or your solid citizens can keep being solid citizens. What you ought to be careful for, though, is that you don't punish your solid citizens who love what they do. They just don't want to go either as fast as you want to go or as far as you want to go, but you, and you can't punish them for that. That's what they've taken you this far. Enjoy them, love them, protect them, guide them, and just realize that that's their limit. But then look for the stars who want to go beyond the call of duty, that all you've got to do is fan their flame, and then look for the new people who want to come in and make a difference as well. So I think, I think that one's a big one. I really do. Any, any, any final thoughts? Um, I, don't, I think that pretty much wraps it up, and I think that you're, you want to be – uh, you, you're not trying to devalue the contribution somebody's made or even change that. Mm -hmm. um, you, you are trying to dream bigger and, uh, and bring more people into the vision. So. Yeah. so you did this for our outreach team, and, uh, and you got some real big pushback. Not our outreach, our AV team, excuse me. Mm -hmm. We did for our AV team, got some real bad pushback when we were going to two services for Christmas Eve especially. Uh, walk me through the results of that? What happened as a result of it? What was good? What was challenging? What was difficult? Yeah, so initially we had um, the the leader overseeing that particular uh, team that basically said we, we can't do it because we don't have the AV. And my, my thought was um, that that was a, a good uh, articulation of that individual's boundary, and I didn't need to try and ask them to go outside of that. But I also felt like we, with your help, I felt like we could come up with some other resources to bolster and support um, the team that was already there so that we didn't have to, we didn't have to let one person's no be the church's no. Yeah, that's good. 
That's really, really, really important because oftentimes people think that way. So I encourage you, hey, man, you've got a son that's getting a little older. you got to get him engaged in the process. You've got to find out if any of these new volunteers want to step into that area. And we added three or four people to the process yeah. and to that team all because of this crisis. And I think oftentimes we let one person control the whole vision when they don't really have to. Your job as the leader is to always have people around you that you're adding to the team. And your job as the leader is to help whatever team that you're going to ask to go be on a call of duty your job is to be the person that then helps them find new volunteers so that their load is lightened and they see you as one that's adding value to their ministry not just in the short term but in the long term as well and that's where they look at you in the moment they might be frustrated but in the long run they're saying thanks so much for giving us four new volunteers that we did not have before and so i think gentlemen and ladies it's just a huge part of the process that you create crisis um uh, you challenge the process so much so that your team will come up with creative ways to solve problems that you currently have. I think it's a great opportunity for us, and I think we need to take advantage of that. All right? And so we're going to stop there for today. Uh, we've done five uh, principles. Pastor Luke, why don't you go over those in a minute? I want to go over all five. But we're going to stop there today, and then part two, we're going to take on the other five as we deal with the issue of how do we relaunch again? How do we... Uh, after all these variants come back, um, how do we make sure that we're doing our part in making people aware of our church so that they're interested and we're getting back the 30% that decided they don't want to come back to church at all? So give us the summary of those five, and then let's let's wrap it up for today. What do you got? All right, so yeah, the first one was if you invite them, they will come. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, then the second was um, your office, the place you should never see on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. The third was build teams before you need them. Number four, raise up leaders before they have roles. And number five, using a short-term crisis to create a long-term solution. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hope that was helpful for you guys today. It is a joy for us just to kind of chop it up and talk through what we've been going through. And hopefully what we've been going through has been helpful to you guys. Hopefully that we have added value to you, to your leadership team, as you listen to this as a team, and then go out and execute in light of that. Um, cannot wait to catch you for episode number 34 that we'll have next time when we'll continue and give you the last five of how to relaunch your church after COVID and its variants. Can't wait to see you guys. Thank you so much for listening in on today's episode. We are so grateful that you are here. Now, if this has helped you grow and you want to climb your leadership to the next level, don't forget the Climb Conference is coming up in January of 2022 from Bishop Van Moody to Pastor Eric Mason to our very own Dr. Conway Edwards. You don't want to miss this. There'll be so many more. Here's where you go, climbleadership.com. It will be in our show notes as well. We cannot wait to see you there.